0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Welcome everybody to the Men for Life show uh, from First Fisherman Media. And I, we are on location today. Yes, we are. This is amazing. We are at the convent of the Sisters of Life in Philadelphia with Sister Maeve and Sister Cora as guests today. And I have my co-pilot, Pete. Um, so today we are going to speak with the sisters uh, who have graciously allowed us into their home and convent um, about creating a culture of life. And but before we do that, um, what we'd like to do is start with prayer, as we usually do. So would one of you sisters please um, lead us in an opening prayer for our podcast?
2: Yes, thank you. Thank you, Angie, Thank you, Pete. Thanks for being here. It's great to have you with us and to have all of our listeners We're grateful. So let's just begin in the spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are a good father. You are for us, you love us, and your plan for our life is for our good, and we trust you. We trust in your love. We ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon all who have joined us. We ask you to give us a a spirit of wisdom and of light, a spirit of understanding and trust and a spirit of joy. We ask you, Jesus, to cover us and all of our listeners in the protection of your precious blood. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty. You are good, you are beautiful, you are lovely, you are holy. We ask all this in your name, Jesus, and through the intercession of your mother, Mary.
3: Amen. 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 In the name, of the, Father in the name of, the of the Father, and the Son, and the, the holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, in advance, I just want to say, I may not be a good co-host today because when the sisters speak, I just like to close Gee. my eyes and listen. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I might not
1: be very valuable just in advance <laughs> today. <laughs> Pete has a thing for the sisters of life. I love yeah. them. She They're my favorite. Yes. They know. Um, <laughs> like and it's wonderful. And also the sisters welcome me um, like quite often for adoration, which we'll hopefully be doing today too. So, yeah. um, so good. yeah, it's amazing. Um, so anyway, w- starting off, we're again, we really appreciate you having us here, and the topic is apropos to your whole life's mission. So for those who don't know what the Sisters of Life are, what the charism of the Sisters of Life um, uh, are, could maybe one of you describe what is a Sister of Life? <laughs>
0: yes. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely. This is Sister Cora here, we're so excited. And we are, we're the Sisters of Life and we're here in Philadelphia, but we're in, we are in—we were founded in New York and we're in many other cities uh, in the United States and also in Toronto, Canada. And we were founded to really, uh, to remind people that your life is good and every human life is good. And today in our society, in our culture, it's easy to forget that, right? It's, uh, you know, where we can forget that in the darkness or uh, in the fears or anxieties uh, we can kind of get swept up but we are here to be as as lights of the light of christ to others Uh, so we take the traditional three vows as a religious and we also take a fourth vow to uphold the dignity and sanctity of each human life and to protect and enhance life so we lay down our lives so that others may live and and we do that in a variety of ways but particularly here in philadelphia uh, we work in crisis pregnancy mission so we welcome women who are pregnant and in need uh, and and really need um, just sometimes you just need a sister so sometimes <laughs> you just need sometimes you just need a friend you need someone that's totally for you and we are here to be totally for her totally for you uh, to uphold her life, uh, her goodness, and also the precious life she is carrying. And, and we remind her that she is loved and strong enough to love. Uh, so that, that happens in a variety of different ways, um, but we are here. So that's what a Sister of Life does. Uh, what we do is first, um, we love Jesus, we receive his love in prayer, and that overflows into the mission. Mm.
1: Um, so is, yeah. is the... Um I was talking, when we were talking to the parish visitors, they have a, a sort of split uh, mission. when I mean half of their life is contemplative mm-hmm. and half active. Is that the same for the Sisters of Life?
2: Yes, so Cardinal O'Connor um, really would emphasize the importance of our contemplative prayer and that everything is an overflow of union with God. So God is life. God is the fullness of life. And so being immersed in him, receiving his love, Uh, And then the love and the life that he has filled us overflows into those whom we serve. And so it is um, we spend about a large portion of our day. We have prayer days. We have retreat Sundays, just being immersed because that is the joy of the human person. And that's why we were created in his image is actually to be in union with him. And the gift of our baptism, right, is that we have received that divine life in our call to union with him. And so uh, that's our priority. And then from that overflow, we're then able to lay down our own lives so that others may live. And Mm -hmm. it's a treasure. And on the um, opposite side of of Sister Cora's, the serving of the pregnant women, we really love, we love, we love the child. And we also love, love, love the mothers and the fathers and the grandparents and all those who are are called to um, embrace the gift of this life. And so if um, if somebody does make the decision for abortion, because we do love them, themselves, and not just the child, uh, we also have a mission to serve those who have suffered an abortion. And uh, that's a real, it's a very uh, special mission that we have. It's a real privilege. And we just get to see God's mercy make all things new for those who come back to them, back to him, uh, the power of his merciful love, raiding it in their lives, and then they become the strongest witnesses to the gift of life and make all things, he makes all things new. Mm. So Th- that's kind of the flip, flip side of our mission.
1: That's Amen. beautiful. I, I have a question that come from that, which is there seems to be this idea in the culture that abortion doesn't affect women, meaning it's the solution to the problem. And you guys are on the front lines, meaning you speak to women, it sounds like, that are post-abortive. And I'm wondering what your experience, does abortion leave a scar or is it, as the culture might have it, that, oh, you know, you have a problem and abortion is the solution? I mean, it's like a celebratory thing. What is your experience actually dealing with women who have abortions,
2: or is... Thank you for that question, right? Um, actually, the, the deepest um, part of my call to this, uh, vocation was actually a love for the, for the woman. Mm. And I, I used to pray and counsel outside of abortion clinics and I'd see women go in and then I'd see them come out. And, uh, the pain that I felt in seeing their pain, uh, was intense because I know that if, if people didn't, if people knew the joy and the love of almighty God, they would never make that decision. And so that's kind of really where the pro-life movement begins, and then when you when you see what happens um, after the abortion, it's um, it just moves your heart in the deep places because there is a great suffering. There's a great suffering, and we have um, in our hope and healing mission we use Our Lady of Częstochowa because, and I don't know if you know the story of Częstochowa, but no, I don't. Uh, she's in Poland, and. Um, she was, the picture was attacked, and somebody tried to tear it with a sword, and it left a mark, um, so it didn't destroy the picture, but it left a mark on her cheek, so there's a scar there. And we would say that that's, um, that's often the experience of those who have suffered abortion, where even though there's healing, uh, which is real and it's deep, there's, there's still left that scar, that, that pain, that of that memory of that loss of that child and so just to walk with the women um, who have suffered it oftentimes people will um, try to numb the pain through addictions or through um, further promiscuity or through alcoholism or many distractions that they try we've had women who have it um, have been vulnerable to suicide and um, others who just felt distant in their relationships and Oftentimes, the wound is so, so intense that they can't deal with it right away. And so um, often they'll come to us 20 years later, 30 years later, 40. Mm-hmm. We, we went to the bedside. Our sisters went to the bedside of a 90-year-old. Um, and she, mm-hmm. w- she wasn't actually able to die until she, she hadn't told anybody about abortion. And she wasn't able to die until uh, she went to confession mm-hmm. and, and was able to share that for the first time. So, um, yeah, we see the pain and the suffering. And that's what we want to try to protect women from is that pain and, and men and all those involved, we want to protect them from that pain and that suffering, which it's, it's not a part of God's plan for their lives. And on the other side of it, we, uh, with the women that we've walked to are vulnerable to abortion, the power and the healing that this baby brings into their lives is stunning. It's stunning. Mm -hmm. So the lie is that if I have the abortion, um, everything will go back to normal and I can just get back to my life. But um, in reality, it, it destroys my future and, until I, r- I come back to the Lord and, and seek his healing. And the truth is, is that God is the author of all life. God is the author of all life. And he has a plan for this life. And not just for this life, but he has entrusted this child to this mother and father for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because he knows that this child will be a blessing. That he wants to draw these parents out of the cycle that they're in that that brought them to this place he wants to draw them out of that cycle and to bring healing and peace to their hearts and so when women are able to say yes um, then they're able to enter this whole journey this whole adventure of new life with the, with the lord
3: mm-hmm. to support what sister just said <coughs> it dawned on me a long time ago but it definitely is is um shows up even very very deeply now for me as our children are getting older um having our children healed me sister Mm. sisters Mm -hmm. and i i know that even more so than than a purer love through engagement and marriage with trisha Mm -hmm. them her carrying the child and them being born and a love that i had never felt in my heart for anyone or anything and I still distinctly remember going to my parents' house when she got pregnant again, right. At, when she, Trisha got pregnant again right away. Um, and I said, mom, I don't know if I'm going to be able to love the new baby as much as I love Petey. Aww. And mom. I, I said, I'm actually nervous mom. And uh, you know, I'm one of what four. <laughs> and like, my mom is like, she's not a sister of life. But I think she could, could be. She's like, a, she's a little saint, And, uh, and she was like, Oh honey, don't worry. God just expands your heart to make mm-hmm. it big enough for the next one when they come and then the Perfect. next one. And I was l- yeah. like, such a simple thing that mom told me at the at the you know, the kitchen table. But I said, Okay, wow. well I'll trust in that. Mm-hmm. And then Nikki came and it was exactly what my mom mm-hmm. said is now my heart grew and I loved him as very much. They healed me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's what you just described, sister. That's not by accident. God designed that for us to give that gift to us mm-hmm. so that he could create something in our hearts that isn't there mm-hmm. yet, as opposed to a wound. He's going to create a grace. Mm-hmm. I felt it. I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to sh- sh- add, some, yeah. add some, add some legs that. to what yeah. sister was saying. You I know?
2: love what you said. Um, he wants to give me a grace instead of a wound. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our father.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's and that's that's what you are. Just, um, Trisha asked me yesterday what was going on this week, and I said, we're going to get to meet with the sisters. And of course, she knew how happy I was. And she said, Pete, you said it before, Sister Cora, you said we're showing the the it could be man or woman, mm-hmm. but in a lot of cases, the woman that yeah. they're loved. And that they can love mm-hmm. and yeah. you're, you're, you're empowering them mm-hmm. with that and Trisha said that yesterday to me she said whenever I'm with the sisters they make me feel like I am the most wonderful woman and most wonderful mother like in the entire world and I said I know you're like floating right and she <laughs> said she said yes like that's who they are it's what mm-hmm. they do they mm-hmm. just bring that to others Because of what you described, you're in communion with God. He fills your cup. You let it overflow onto Mm -hmm. others, and then that's what you're bringing just to the everyday lady or man that's out there. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to share that with you, that Tricia said that's what you... That's what you, you know, that's how you make her feel. So mm-hmm. if you're making her feel that way, I know you're making others feel that way, too. We do love Trisha. <laughs> <laughs> she is an awesome person. Yeah. Awesome. She's okay. She's <laughs> amazing. And Our anniversary was on the 8th last week, so hey. I gave her another contract oh. renewal. <laughs> 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 just teasing, <laughs> just kidding. She's Sisters cute. are going to throw something. Yeah, yeah, yeah here Where's that water? <laughs> so, um, if you don't mind, um, would you mind... Just quick describing Cardinal O'Connor, the founder of the order. And if you don't mind, one of the things that stuck out to me about your order is that when Cardinal O'Connor, it actually is going to choke me up right now. When Cardinal O'Connor put his hand in, is it that Cal? Yeah, would you just mind quick describing that so the listeners know the whole foundation of the order? Yeah.
0: Yes, we would love to. Thank you for bringing that up, mm-hmm. Pete, because he is so close to our hearts. He's our founder and our spiritual father, Cardinal O'Connor. He's actually a Philly boy. He was born and raised in Philadelphia and was ordained at, at this cathedral. So we feel really close to him being in his city. And he, while he was a um, cardinal of New York, uh, Archbishop of New York, he, he founded us because he had a call and it began throughout his life just uh, loving the Lord of life, Jesus. But when he went uh, to Dachau, he was in the Navy um, for many years, uh, an admiral in the Navy and a Bishop of the Naval um, and he of the church. and he went to Dachau on one of his trips, and he put his hand in the crematory uh, where mixed ashes of Christian Jew, um, of men and women, uh, were in there. And he said, good God, how can one human being do this to another human being? And he overcame him and his spirit and who he was, and he wanted to do whatever he could for life. And he wanted to... um, he wanted to help others uh, see that dignity because he knew that in abortion, um, not millions of children were being killed, but Jesus Christ was being killed over and over again. And he wanted to to be um, that that light and that voice for the voiceless. So he had this inspiration uh, that there must be a community of women religious who uh give their lives um in prayer and fasting so again that's what we were talking about if, of prayer our whole being being centered in jesus and then also fasting and that there's power in fasting uh in, and and the Lord, um, the Lord sees that offering and it's multiplied. Um, but to fast so, so that others may, uh, may have life was really important and he got it from the Gospel of Mark. You know, only this demon could be cast out by prayer and fasting. So, uh, so Cardinal O'Connor um, was a prayerful man and also a man uh, uh, of beautiful words and he was able to inspire um, from the Holy Spirit, um, women religious, this community. And a sister's word on the Holy
2: Spirit in the beginning Um, He would often say that if this is of the Holy Spirit, it will work out. And if not, it won't. And he said, um, the first retreat, he said, I would like to welcome you to this retreat to discern if you are called to a non-existent religious community. (laughs) 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 And he's like, I don't know where this is going to go, basically. And what really has moved me of late about this um, beginning of our community is, one, that it was born out of suffering. So it was born out of death, really, and the suffering and the death, and that his fidelity to the charism um, gave meaning to their death and that this God transformed this place of Calvary into the resurrection, into new life in the beginnings of our community. And that is our hope and healing mission, where it's like the suffering and the and the death um, of the of the, the spiritual suffering and then the death of the children is actually um, the reason that so many people have heard the gospel of life Mm. because of the founding of the community and heard that their life matters and that they are loved and that God's mercy reaches into the deepest places of our hearts. And then the vulnerability of the community in the beginning is very much like the vulnerability of a mother where she doesn't know where this is gonna go. This is totally unexpected. This was a surprise to Cardinal O'Connor. He was shocked at people. um, He sent out an ad in the, in the newspaper that said, help wanted sisters of life. That was the beginning of our community. (laughs) And he had no idea where it was going (laughs) to go. I mean, the whole thing was crazy and it was very much like they didn't know they were living, uh, with another religious community whom you had uh, interviewed earlier, the parish visitors. So they had, they had to live with another in another person's home, be raised by them. I mean, it was really, um, just how closely linked it was to our our charism is a sign that those who are called to serve the culture of life are actually invited to enter into the suffering and the struggles of those whom they serve and to bring love and light into those places by first living it themselves.
3: I've said publicly several times, and I know you sisters have heard me that I feel it in my heart that I think that Jesus may, God himself may have used Cardinal O'Connor as an instrument Mm -hmm. to give our church back to our herself Mm -hmm. through the sisters Mm -hmm. of life and through this because of what you just described sisters there's something unique about this is we're talking about an order that was born out of suffering Mm -hmm. out of death out of Calvary essentially like you said um I don't know. I don't know if that's some mystic, supernatural thought that like God decided to give me. I don't think so because I'm just Pete, so I don't have uh, that kind of. uh, But I, I all kidding aside, I feel that in my heart that there's all of our religious are wonderful, but there's something really, really special. And you know how much I love Mother Teresa and the missionaries of charity. Until I finally got to meet you, there's something very unique and special about this. And it's something if we read the writings of Pope John Paul II which I incidentally just learned that he and Cardinal O'Connor were good friends. Buddy buddy, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and if we read his writings like Evangelium Vitae and the gospel, you know, the gospel of life and other it's, this is a writing for all times of Christianity. Exactly, it's yeah. a time for now, a thousand years ago and a thousand years from now, this is our true faith, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: yes. I yeah.
3: Anyway, I don't,
2: he is the Lord of Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of it life.
1: seems to me also the idea because I spend a lot of time outside of the clinics as well and it seems to me as a sort of flashpoint in this culture war and it's because mm-hmm. the devil mm-hmm. what he hates most mm. is incarnation, life yes. itself. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's like that's is the front line mm-hmm. of between life and death because the devil does not want the the, fru- the human life to come to fruition, he wants you know every as the, as in they said in, in uh, the devil said in um, Goethe's play, everything that exists should perish. Mm-hmm. You know, like life itself is not worthy of life. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, so maybe that's, that's why, why I feel but, this, Andrew, mm-hmm. is because I know that this is like the literal like source point, mm-hmm. you know, right, exactly. of this is what the one exactly. yeah, that right. the devil hates the most is this. Maybe that's why it's human fig- life yeah. coming to be like to right. be allowed
1: sure. to live,
2: and I think it's the whole thing wrapped up because as we were speaking earlier, where the the um, crisis pregnancy doesn't begin when the woman gets pregnant, it's actually everything leading up to that. Mm -hmm, It's all the the destructive Mm -hmm. choices that often lead to it on, on both the part of the men and the women. And you can see how the whole thing is tied together where um, you're right. He does. He hates the flesh. He hates the flesh. He hate that. He hates that Jesus took on flesh, and so it's human life is the is the epitome of it that he wants to destroy. But he also wants to destroy um, the gift of our loving through our bodies, because that's what the human person can do that no other creature can do is to love God through the body, and so he and that's what Jesus came to do. And so he can't kind of hit God directly and so he wants to do it uh, through us. And so leading us to, to actually despise our bodies or to separate ourselves from our bodies or to hurt our bodies and, and so to hurt our hearts and our spirits through the bodies is kind of his main tactic you can see uh, right now in our culture and it just kind of grows and gets gets bigger and bigger. And so the, the antidote really to all of this learning how to love as human persons and that is what's gonna save us from all of the wounds and the pain uh, that the culture of death brings.
1: What are some of these You were talking about a sort of degradation of the relationship between the men and women and what they their choices before the pregnancy what would you how would you describe that what do you what do you see as those signs or the, the sort of path to mm-hmm. um, what, what what sort of decisions are people involving themselves in that you mm-hmm. think are leading to this?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. We, yeah, we see it. It is. There's that pain. There's that woundedness, brokenness of not a lack of reverence. I think lack of reverence for um, your own, yeah, yourself, your own human dignity or for the other. I'm not looking at the other as reverent. Um, and just, yeah, y- yeah, seeking the other as pleasure and not... Um, yeah, using the other and not seeing the other as, as who they really are, and upholding the dignity of the other, and a lot of woundedness and relationships and uh, families, um, kind of seeing the breakdown of the family um, and not being having that that unit to um, to uphold and to to find that safety and that loving kind of circle, that bond. So I, yeah, we've seen that definitely, yeah, in, in kind of a breakdown of the family um, and just kind of getting swept up. And yeah, there are two cultural currents, the culture of life, the culture of death. And a lot of people are listening to the lies that are being presented to them and believing them and, uh, and, and being swept up in, into the lies, Mm -hmm. um, which when they believe that they just, even more destruction comes from Mm -hmm. that because they either, um, yeah, could be hurt or put themselves in, different situations. And the lie
1: is of a uh, liberation. They it's yes, sort of like exactly. that's the that's y- the lie essentially if, that yeah. you you that the the sexual norms the mm-hmm. of the church, for example, of chastity mm-hmm. until marriage.
0: Exactly. Um
1: and only with only open to life, the yeah. unitive and the procreative function yeah. of the sexual act. Um, so the lie is that you can be liberated from that. Yeah. And if you're away from that, if you if you go outside of that, yeah, then you're free. It mm-hmm. almost goes back to the Garden of Eden. You exactly. will be like God. So exactly. You will, you will be like God. Mm-hmm. A mis- sort of take mi- yeah, a
0: misunderstanding of freedom. Right. And
1: yeah. Yeah. I, r-
2: I remember speaking to one of the women we serve, and I was explaining to her that God asks us, or God commands us, to wait uh, for marriage. Um, before we have relations, and that's actually for our own protection. That's to protect our hearts because he sees the consequences of what's happening. Um, And she said to me, no one ever told me that. That's amazing. No that's one ever told me that, right? Yeah, she said, I thought it was just yeah. rules. There's
1: so much effective propaganda on the other mm-hmm. side yeah. of that. Right. right. so long. Right. It's like, it's like. Right. but that, really? Yeah.
3: Sister, that's <laughs> it. I thought it was just rules. Right. <laughs> right? right? I think that would be, yeah. if we were to poll 100 people, that would, young people, yeah. that would right. probably be, or any people, that would be the answer. I, I thought it was just rules. No one ever told me that, right? Mm-hmm. That it was actually for the protection of my own heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so just... Simple and perfect. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like the Lord. And this is, I think ultimately what it is, what we stand at is a crisis of faith that my father loves me, that he is for me and that he can bring anything, um, anything good out of any circumstances so long as I'm following him. And so if I had this as my starting point that I, my father loves loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he's for me, I am good. What does that do? It um, protects us from the pain of loneliness. It protects us from the pain of feeling like I'm not good, that I'm not worthy. And then it, it starts me off in the right direction where even if I don't understand this, I can trust it and then seek to understand and then follow, right? And as I follow I, and as I, as I walk towards him and allow him to walk towards me, then I begin to experience it and then I can believe it. But it's this at the at the heart of the issue really is uh, is the a crisis of faith that uh, actually God loves me so much that he made me in his own image and likeness. I was a thought in the mind of God. God delighted in this thought. And then he literally breathed me into existence through the gift of his spirit and has called me to himself to be happy forever. And this is the way towards that happiness. And if I could really believe that and to begin that first step of faith, then I can encounter and know that yes, this is true.
3: Mm. Literally breathe dust. So for any of our listeners who don't fully understand scripturally what we are referring to in the Hebrew, that would be a nefesh because God did not breathe a nefesh into the cattle or the creepy crawly things, uh, the animals of the earth or into the ocean or the trees or into the, the soil that Adam was tilling. He only breathed the nefesh, which is a soul into Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew, what you said was actually, um, it's, it's brilliant and perfect it's the cultures being taught the opposite and if we were to pull young people that's what we're finding with all of them mm-hmm. right now currently also is they're being taught this fake liberation and um it's 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 truly unfortunate um mary i was listening to mary eberstadt on the way down she's Do you amazing. know yeah. you know yeah yeah. I love yeah she's great and the cd was called um was the sexual revolution good for women mm.
0: Sisters,
3: <laughs> yeah. the sisters okay, of life we'll vote no. we will give you no each on one minute. Go, <laughs>
1: you can't if, yeah, if, if you're not, you guys can't see this, but the sisters of life are voting no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Would you like to comment on that? Has it been good for women? Yeah, go for it. Has
2: the has the has you know, um, I so when I was in high school, I was a little bit of a tomboy. I, pl- I loved soccer, soccer since second grade up. I ran track. Uh, I thought I was pretty tough, and I was.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe this
2: <laughs> And I remember, um, I remember, I was going, I was g- preparing for a trip to the Holy Land, and I remember um, this guy. I, g- I went to public school, and so I, I hadn't encountered gentlemen yet. And um, I remember this guy offered to help me carry something that was relatively heavy and I I said no I can do it (laughs) and I didn't let him carry it (laughs) (laughs) and um I didn't like pink I didn't like skirts I didn't like flowers or any of that and then I ended up going on this trip they were all homeschooled boys there was 17 in one family and the only the other one only had eight and so we we went to the land they would pull open your chair they would pour your water they'd order for you I mean it was like nothing I'd ever experienced and little by little, the wall around my heart started to crumble. Mm-hmm. And I began to really experience the gift and dignity of my femininity. Mm. That actually, um, the reverence with which they treated me, that I was good. And then all of a sudden, I was like wearing skirts and telling m- my guy friends that they had to hold the door <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> for me, which they
2: loved to do. Yes. <laughs> which they loved to do. And, um, and I, I think the I think the greatest sorrow of the of the movement is that it told women that in order to be a value they had to be like men. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me mad that actually like I am a gift like womanhood femininity is a gift and if you take out women from society you take out society's heart Mm -hmm. and I think we're actually seeing the consequences of this is that society has lost its heart it's lost its empathy it's lost its being with it's lost its compassion and that's why you have a rise in addictions a rise in alcoholism a rise in in um just these broken families these children who feel alone who feel unsafe who feel insecure it's because a mother's heart has been taken out of the culture and that causes a profound suffering in the human person
3: whoa i just feel like a wave of truth just mm-hmm. came <laughs> 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 thank you sister <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. sister coral yes <laughs> Yes, tough act yes, to follow. I know, <laughs> but it's it's true. sister, <laughs> may thank you. It is so true because we there is it's the feminine genius that I feel like is is being taken away. You know, we have the, it's it's there's beauty, um, there's life. Like we literally have the capacity to carry and nourish life within us, and that is is being taken away. There is a particular attack attack on femininity. Um, there is there's a there's that war and. Because the because the evil one knows that there is beauty and there is power in our feminine genius, and he he, he wants to corrupt that and, and harm that and and uh, so we see that the beauty of the the feminine heart and the feminine genius and and the balance that that brings to the world to the church. So so we stand at with Mary as our model. You know, as sisters of life, we look to the Blessed Mother, who is the most beautiful woman, and we learn from her feminine genius uh, to. To, um, in reparation for what's happening in our culture. Uh, so we live that um, all the more, and we, we are mothers to, to anyone that we meet. We are sisters, we are daughters, and that's who we are. And I think I was just thinking about an experience we had. We were doing one of our rosary walks uh, where we walked throughout the streets of Philadelphia, and we were in one of uh, the, the parts of Philadelphia in Kensington, and we had extra flowers from a party, uh, extra flowers. And you know what? We were, we were like, let's go pass out these flowers to the women that we see out in Kensington. And it was, I think, a powerful experience to pass out sunflowers or roses to these women that that are on on the streets and it was a powerful witness for me that we need um there needs to be more it uplifted their eyes from the streets and it reminded them that they are beautiful and that they are worthy and that they are seen and i think yeah we need to have more of that reminder of the beauty uh in our world well followed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. Amen. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I was the on. I was actually. Of the nature. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry, Petey, Let me. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, can you say something? Just make yes. sure you're going. Okay, yes. Yes. Am good. I on? Okay, yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, your yeah, sister Cora was. I, I went on one of your rosary walks around here, and you actually were very helpful to me, reminding me of what <laughs> the rosary how to say the rosary. <laughs> how to the rosary. Right, right. So <laughs> <sure. laughs> Sister Cora was like whispering in my ear. Okay, now it's the d- now, now it's the whole Hail Mary. <laughs> Hail Mary part. <laughs> Because I'm new. Yeah. <laughs> Very helpful. Um I'm curious. I have a question for you. So um Can I talk follow th-
3: that up real fast? Sure, go ahead. Before your question, don't lose your question, please. Yes, yes, yes. And it, that's the visual reminder of the beauty, the flower, right? Ladies are flowers. And Pete McHugh, if you haven't heard that episode, please listen to Pete McHugh. Amazing episode. Yeah, Maculata University student I was with, he and John McKebe. And Pete said this, and I just wanted to echo what both of you said, sisters. He said, women are already on a higher level than men. They can carry life. I, I mean, I sorry, guys. Sorry, men. I know this is the Men for Life show, but but they're already on a higher level. We can't do that as men. So what you described, sister, instead of women trying to dummy themselves down to men, like, oh, I want to be like men, you're actually lowering yourself. Force us and pull us up to your level, which is what Trish has done for me yeah. by by being... The more pure you are, the more you draw the man up to your level. And that's what Pete was describing to me. He said that he's like, Pete, now he said they're going to force us to, you know, to, and I said Pete, I, you're spot on buddy. Yeah, like you yeah. are so spot yeah. on anyhow. Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
2: But, but even to, um, we're like, we're made of equal dignity, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and that actually for me to discover my own beauty mm-hmm. and reverence, it took those men, uh, persevering, right? Cause at first I had a hard shell mm-hmm. and I was like, I can do this. Um, but then when they continue to, to pull open the chair and to hold the door and to speak uh with reverence and to treat me with reverence little by little that wall came down and and so the gift that men being men right and and in this culture um they're told that they can't be men um but actually the deep places of the human heart of a woman's heart desires it and it's just that suffering has created all of these walls and so what what can crumble the wall love yes love Mm -hmm. authentic love
3: and we show that love in other ways other than just intimacy. And there is that right. intimacy, like you said, but that's placed somewhere. It's placed inside of marriage for the purpose of babies and bonding and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So that's what Pete was describing, as he said, when the ladies just let us be you know sexually intimate with them that's not calling us to their level Mm -hmm. that's them reducing themselves to our level which now is asking me to play smaller as a man as
1: they're playing smaller he said you know it used to be be that um that the women withholding sex forced men in to become marriageable Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. because you were saying look you you i'm not just gonna like you have to become. You have to propose to me. You and got to prove gonna, it. Right, <laughs> if yeah. Gonna, if you're gonna propose to me, you're gonna have to be somebody worthy of mm-hmm. me spending the rest of my life with you. Right. So that means you're gonna have to have a job and hopefully go to church and you're gonna be a good human being. Come and ask my of mom of and sudden, dad permission, right, right Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> <All of it. laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, once this, I can like go back to the. To me, it all goes back to the Garden of Eden. So yeah. the the devil came to Eve first. Mm-hmm. Said, "Okay, like, you know, I went to." So once she opens the door and says, okay, to go back to our Mm -hmm. modern culture, once the sexual door is open, then men aren't called anymore because they're just tindered out. It's just, okay, well, you're not going to, okay, well, I'll just swipe left a couple more times and I'll I'll meet, I'll find somebody Mm -hmm. else to get what I want. I don't have to, I can just stay at home and I don't, they're not called. I think that's what Pete's talking about. They're not called, we're not called as men anymore Mm -hmm. because women are sort of, they're not requiring of it. Because on this show, this is this constant theme of like sort of chicken or the egg. Did men Mm -hmm. fall? Not that it really matters, but did men fall and then women followed or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I think this is the Whichever happened first, this is the dynamic. That once you open this sort of sexual marketplace, Mm -hmm. women are degraded because they try to become like men, and men aren't called to be men because we're saying, called- yeah, we're saying, oh, you're giving me the fruit. Yeah. all right, that looks good, right. pleasing and desirable. Right. I'll take it, yeah. you know yeah. why would I yeah. why
3: why should I? Why should I be why should I hold why sh- I don't have to do anything? It's the opposite of proverbs twenty seven seventeen, the iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite. So we have an ability to sharpen yeah. each other, you know, and make right. each other stronger. and and instead we have this society as you were describing, sisters of actually, Pulling the woman out of society, which is then pulling the man out of society, and here we are. It's 2022. We don't have true femininity or true masculinity it's anymore. A, no, yeah. Perversion. Yeah, and hence the attack on the family, mm-hmm. which is what Pope John Paul II described as the, you know, the the demise of society. But the anecdote, as you described, is marriage and family. Mm-hmm. Of course, vocations. It's no questions. But marriage and family, and that's what makes your vocation so. So um so essential is you're restoring that love and that marriage and family. Mm-hmm. You had an important question. I interrupted, and oh, if no. you don't remember, I have one. Oh, if it. it's no. okay. <laughs> yeah. It. Sisters, this is important. We have what you described. We have this this epidemic now of abortion. Forty-two million babies were aborted last year around the globe. Oh my god. Forty-two million. The numbers are getting worse, not better. Right. That means in my world. That's 84 men and women who Mm -hmm. are walking around either immediately wounded or wounded later. What I mean by that is what you described before, sister. I met with a priest and this, this, this purest father opened up to me, I guess through my vulnerability, he was being vulnerable also. And he said, Pete, I had a number of abortions in Columbia and he said, I even participated in, in, in helping one of the women you know, abort my child. It didn't even show up until decades later until I was discerning the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So to your point, sister, this might not be immediate, this might be decades later when it shows up and it just crushed his heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. So he and I had that opportunity. I see that, I see 84 million men and women walking around last year and another 84 million this year and another 84 million coming next year. So we're at a point now where literally one out of every three or four men and women that we encounter Mm -hmm. in the world just walking the streets are probably Mm post-abortive. I don't know the exact statistic, but it's somewhere in that realm, one quarter to one third. Is that correct, sister? Thank you. So could you talk a little bit into that just in our encounter with people? And then maybe also how can we approach the Planned Parenthoods and the 40 Days for Life campaigns as men who want to be standing for life or ladies also, but as men. So could you talk a little bit into that of our, our encounter with other human yes. beings, knowing that there's these people are more than likely wounded yeah. and that um, and, and how we need to be at these 40 days for life. Cause I think in recent light of events, people are wondering what should we, what should it look like out there when we're, when we're at out front of an abortion clinic?
0: Yes. No, thank you. Pete, you bring up, yeah, such, you like expanded it even more, you know, uh, that there are, there are men and women, you like expanded the number and it's important. It's so important to remember that when we're walking the streets, when we're encountering other people, when we're speaking on issues of life and love, that there are like, One in three, you know, that are are experiencing this, and we speak into those these issues uh, with compassion, with tenderness, and love, and mercy, and always uh, bringing Jesus's love and mercy, because he there is nothing. Um, nothing too far gone for him he is he is here uh, to walk with us and the darkness is not dark for him Psalm 139 you know it's not dark for him and he is the light so we always speak into these issues or these encounters um, with compassion with invitation and with love, and that's when we when we stand outside and are that witness outside of a aclin- clinic or if we're praying, uh, we're we're always remembering that we we are His vessel of light and love and invitation for Him. So um, it's always about prayer and um, and keeping the Lord with us. Like, do we have Jesus Christ in us, and are we sharing that with the other? Because there are wounds, there are deep deep wounds mm. that people think are. Um, irreconcilable they think that this I'm too far gone for this but that's not him that's not Jesus that's not who I know uh, so we always bring that invitation with us
3: yeah almost like the wound isn't there sister or it is there yeah. but it can't be reconciled yeah they you believe know? that they're yeah.
0: too too lost or it's or too deep or it could never be looked at or they want to keep it in the dark because they're so ashamed mm-hmm. but that's Shame. not who that's not Jesus I know um yeah
3: thank you yes sister thank you
2: and it really—it's a work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you want to speak the truth. Because many also are told that they shouldn't be suffering, and so then they're confused because they're like, why does this hurt so much when society tells me it shouldn't? So then that leads them to a real place of uh, loneliness, uh. Um, and isolation. And um, and you also want to speak the truth so that people can be spared the pain of abortion. Um, but to do so with mercy and with love and with tenderness and always having the focus on, right, this is God's desire for you because he loves you and he wants to protect you from that pain. Um, so it's um, it's, a, it's a work of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, and uh, that is especially true outside of the abortion clinics. Um, there is this really amazing priest, Monsignor Riley, who changed my life, and he would say, you know, if babies were being thrown overboard a ship like you would be there right to try to stop it and he said so where are the people why aren't they praying outside the abortion clinics and doing everything that they can to to stop this um but he would say when you go there you're going to calvary you know and there were there were only a few uh, who had the courage and the love to stand by jesus at the cross and uh, if the Lord's calling you, you don't want to run away, but you want to be there with him. And you want to be there with him as John and Mary were with him. And how were they with him? He, they were there as a presence of love. They were there, first and foremost, as a presence of love. You are bringing love to Calvary. You're bringing love to Calvary. And you're bringing, with that love, you're bringing hope and light. And so the huge part of the whole culture of life is actually my own interior conversion is me, myself, allowing the culture of life to penetrate my own heart. Do I believe that I am loved? Do I believe that I am called? Do I believe that my life is good? Do I believe and, and do I have faith of the, in the Lord as I face my own crosses? And then having been converted in that truth, then I can speak it with confidence, with love and also with compassion, because I understand my own struggles and my own temptations and my own fears. And it's the same that they're experiencing, only in different circumstances. So I can go there with compassion and with love in the spirit of Mary and John to be present uh, to Jesus, who is on the cross. And our founder would say, um, and Monsignor Riley would also say, you know, when you, when you go to heaven and you face Jesus, there are going to be all of the children uh, that had, had passed away in abortion, and they will say to Jesus, let them in, they loved me, my short time on earth. Mm-hmm. They loved mm-hmm. me. And so knowing that being there present at Calvary, loving these children, no matter what you can see with your eyes, grace is entering into the world. Grace is penetrating the wombs of their mothers. Grace is penetrating the hearts of the of the fathers and the mothers and, and the abortion escorts that your presence is powerful but it's powerful if you go in love and prayer and faith that only god can move hearts and that i'm simply his instrument to be to be there at his cross
1: amazing not much to say after that but i have, I have a question anyway <laughs> which that was uh, amazing yeah that was so amazing <laughs> thank you to me amazing you're you're a star of the Memphis for life show um I was, my question is, is that, okay, so we we've talked a lot about the women that you counsel. What about the men and what are their involvements? Did hmm. Does your, do you ever speak to them? Or do you only hear about them secondhand through the women? Because the show is geared towards young men, especially. And I'm just mm-hmm. curious what your experience is, um, either dealing with the men directly or secondhand. I don't know what your
2: you're going to get Sister Cora fired up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Leaning right, on the sister. edge of my seat.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, we, d- we do, uh, we receive the women here in our very home, you know, to, to give them a, a accompaniment, to give them a, p- a place of refuge out of the rain, out of the storm of this culture. And oftentimes they come by themselves. They come alone um, because they do not have anyone, including the father of the baby. And, mm. um, and, and uh, you know, uh, sometimes we, we do, a, a young man will come along with her and um, we'll say, oh, we have a father of the babies here. That's Make like sure we we, we, Yeah, we're like, we yeah. gotta tell, we'll tell the other sisters. This one in a hundred. Like, yeah, <laughs> one in a hundred. Is, it that? Hundred. is it that bad? <laughs> it's not It is. One actually hundred. Actually,
2: most of the time, It's either the parents or the father of the baby pressuring her to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing about like men don't have a say, they don't have a say unless it's to force her to have an abortion. Men, do you hear that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's amazing. That's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, so the the Mm -hmm. most they'll do is give her a ride to the abortion. Exactly.
0: exactly. You see that
2: a lot, by the way. And pressure her to. I mean, these Mm -hmm. women have suffered so much. I can't even tell you. One woman I served was suicidal because of the pressure of the father of the baby. Uh, To have an abortion, it's just how common it destroys them. Oh, it's so Mm -hmm. common! It's so common, Mm -hmm. and it just breaks your heart. So the
1: women are coming to you saying, "I don't want to do this," but the man who fathered this child is forcing me or pressuring
3: me. One Mm -hmm. woman was surprising to me.
2: One woman was offered ten thousand dollars to have an abortion. She said no. Yes, this is the
3: opposite of masculinity, man. Men, this is the opposite of very dark Mm -hmm. because a true man would not only defend life but they would marry that woman yeah uh, ideally um but we would certainly work and provide for Mm -hmm. at a minimum correct Mm -hmm. at a bare minimum yeah we don't even need god for that yeah yeah um to just be responsible Mm -hmm. correct unbelievable yeah Uh, sorry i'm sorry sister go ahead andrew had a
1: (laughs)
0: struck up You struck a <laughs> chord with we do, me or if a woman a woman comes to us and um, or they're in engaging conversation with the the father or their partner that they're with and he'll say um, I'll do whatever whatever you want or however um, I'll support whatever you decide but what she is hearing is have the abortion you know you're not on my side you're not on my team and there's a pressure to that um, she all she hears it, it's not um, yeah, it's not like I'm with you or I'm with the baby. And, and when a woman's inside a clinic, right, how, how amazing would she feel if the man just came in and brought her out and said, I'll be there, I'll support you, I'll, I'll provide for you. Um, when, you know, uh, what is there, yeah, to fight for anymore? You know, is, are, are people laying down their lives to, for for life? And um, so, we, yeah, we don't see uh, the father of the baby too, too often. And you want to, you know, when the men speak, you want to do it with love. And like sister was saying, like,
2: we can do this, right? You're not alone. And even if you're not the father of the baby, there's a, a there's an incredible power. um in, in the strength of man, it's like deep down in woman's heart, no matter how much she rebels and, and says, no, um, she is moved. She's moved by a man who will be a man and stand up and protect and be for her. it's just, it's what the deepest desire. There was one woman I know who was in uh, an abusive relationship, and the man wasn't a man. He was awful to her. And and then he made her feel like she had to be tough, that she had to fight for herself, and she had to be independent. She had to make it in the world because she wanted to prove that uh, she was worthy. And then after she, being vulnerable to abortion, after she chose life and experienced the beauty, glory of her motherhood, Um, she said, she realized, you know, I know I'm tough. I know I can do it, but I don't want to have to be. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be treated with Mm -hmm. reverence. Yes. Yes. um, That's what I
3: meant. If what I said before, um, didn't come out the right way. That's what I meant. I meant not Mm -hmm. you, but we like, I'm one of you men. I didn't do it the right way. Mm -hmm. And now by the grace, love, mercy, you know, of God, I've gotten an opportunity to fix that and do it the right way with Trisha and that's exactly right mm-hmm. Trisha could do it on her own she was going back to Villanova for her nurse practitioner like mm-hmm. she could be that strong doctor woman who raises her kids and doesn't need no man you know <laughs> excuse the <laughs> you know the uh, slang but but that's not she by her being more of a woman it actually called me to my masculinity my my, she shouldn't have to. my Exactly, yeah. she shouldn't have to. Yeah. I should be she, there yeah. to be stronger, and yeah. that's you just described it beautifully and perfectly. So mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for, men. That's the goal. The goal is for us to allow women to be women, and us to be good, strong mm-hmm. men, right, Andrew? Amen. That's mm-hmm. the purpose of this.
0: 100%. Yes, 100%. yeah, to be called higher.
2: Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, there is a woman we were serving, and the sisters were telling her, you know, like you can do it. We believe in you. You know, and it was going in one year and, and at the other. And then um, we connected her to a lawyer because she needed uh, to speak with him for some advice. And as she turned around to leave, he said, I just want you to know that I believe in what you're doing. And <laughs> just like melted down oh. she's like he believes in me i can do it here it was she didn't even know the man right he believes in me i can do it let's let's go and this is like yeah we said we've been saying that <laughs> the whole time but to hear it come from a man yeah it just touched her in a different way yeah. mm-hmm. and it gave her the strength and so the power of men to affirm women in their motherhood in their capacity in their goodness in their beauty is life-giving it's life-giving and it's deeply 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 healing Mm -hmm. uh, for her heart i can't tell you how many um like homilies or conferences i've heard where a man has apologized to women on behalf of men and tears 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 the healing the power of healing of being authentically loved as you said it not an in intimate relationship um, relations, but actually just in, in words of affirmation and signs of sacrifices and in, in little ways h- that he reverences her is just, I mean, it transformed my own life. Um, but especially women who have been wounded,
0: it's, it's just stunning.
3: That's yeah. our true complementarity, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: complementarity. Yeah. Exactly. The balance. It's beautiful.
1: Um, we're going to, because of uh, the time, we're probably going to uh, to land this ship, and so I just wanted to because we have gonna Are we
3: ready? allowed to ask one last final sure. question? go ahead. All right, Absolutely. all right. Speed, speed, uh, speed. Question. Speed question. Rob. Sisters, with the with just the, I don't think there's ever been more of a polarization or division in society that we have right now, and we've actually taken this issue and politicized it—the issue of life, which is insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, since a lot of, for listeners who are up against this, that consider themselves on the front lines of the spiritual battle, especially out at, you know, our crisis pregnancy centers, our 40 days for life mm-hmm. campaigns out in front of the abortion s- centers. They're, they're, they're seeing this just hatred and vitriol from the other side where it's just, I mean, the shouting in your faces and, and and we, um, my son and daughter couldn't believe the crude comments that were made to you last weekend and to the seminarians and priests. Mm-hmm. So, when we're up against that because that's just an attack um w- i know that you had referenced calvary and mary and jesus but just to reiterate that for for listeners is what would what would jesus what would cardinal o'connor what would the sisters of life like us to do when we're when we're you know whatever you want to call it being persecuted being attacked you know out there
2: um the image that always comes to my mind is the silent lamb and that uh hmm. We are up against, um, not human flesh, this isn't against flesh, uh, human flesh, it's against principalities and powers. And Jesus knew that at Calvary, he knew that. And that's what we have to know. And that the best thing that we can do is to love, is to be silent lambs that love those who persecute us. And the disciples rejoiced, they rejoiced to suffer for the name. And so actually, it should fill us with tremendous joy that we get to suffer for Jesus. We get to be conformed to Jesus. And Jesus' heart was always, always, always one of love and mercy. And so to allow our sufferings to be united to the cross of Christ and to be a silent lamb is, it is the most powerful, I really honestly believe that it is the most powerful thing that we can do for the culture of life, is to suffer for life, with faith, with faith that this is God's battle, and that God is powerful, and that God sees with a vision that is beyond our human vision. And so I just have to love and be merciful and to pray more than anything else, and that it is God who will use that to be an instrument of grace and transforming the culture.
3: Sister Maeve is often nicknamed Sister Trouble, and that's because she's trouble for the devil. And that is it. it. (laughs) Sister Cora, did you want to add to that on our just our
0: thank you? No, thank you. That is, yeah, exactly. I love it. It's got what she said. Sister Maeve said, it's God's battle, and we we are here to to stand for life and to be present uh, and to be a loving witness. Uh, Yeah, prayer. Amen. Can't underestimate it. <laughs>
1: Could you maybe lead us out in prayer? And again, thank you both mm-hmm. so much for inviting us into your home and spending Excellent. the time with us today and talking to um, the many thousands of people who will hear this.
3: Mm-hmm. I Got almost 8 billion affirming. people that are going to listen into the, this episode right, right. across the, the globe.
1: <laughs> the... Uh, that the Holy Spirit will hopefully use this and to touch somebody's heart.
3: All kidding, kidding aside, it. Andrew, we now have multiple content, uh, we're continents and right. countries who that's have really uh, heard the, right. the show. That's Whoa, really cool. yeah. this is a big magic,
0: deal. <laughs> the magic
1: of technology.
0: Good Sorry. job, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, thank you so much. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this conversation. We thank you for this opportunity to speak more deeply about your plan for life and love. We thank you so much for your abundant graces, for your presence, for your healing, for your mercy, for your life. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Blessed Mother, for her model of life and love, and we pray, Hail Mary. Full All of, of grace. grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of, God, of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at, at the hour of our death. Our death. Amen. name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 <laughs> Thank, Thank you, oh, for you having so much, sisters. Thank you.
1: Men for life signing off.